My name is Mary Grace, and you're listening to the Homebody Podcast. Here, we explore what it means to practice embodiment, which is practicing home inside our own selves and also within our wider body, which is the earth. These spiritually and artfully minded conversations center healing, magic, astrology, intuition, art, wellness, creativity, social and environmental justice as the practices that help us witness more relationship, meaning, and purpose. We are here to approach life as a conscious process, and my hope is to enliven you, encourage you to hone your intuition, connect to your own center, so together we can cultivate more wisdom and self-trust and be dynamic agents of beauty, people who are fully awake and with our power intact. We're here to be more intentional as we approach the creation and caretaking of life. And we are here to make room for inquiry, sensitivity, and joy. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are talking about the astro for this week, taking us up to the full moon in Aquarius and through the end of the month, as well as the first couple of days of August. We'll also talk about how purpose, knowing our purpose, is the key to resilience and transformation and resonance. Resilience, essentially, our capacity to transform and resonance. Um, the strength of our energetic signal and our ability to recognize what is for us and to trust that connection. So this is the fifth and final episode in a row where we're talking about different faces of purpose. We've sort of put it in this um, hybrid prism and looking at it from a lot of different angles around, above, below, and different costumes. And we're talking about why it's essential for us as people to have a relationship to purpose so that we can navigate failure so that we can draw maps from where we actually are and the benefits of sort of creating this quilt of myth that can hold our meaning making together so if you're new to the podcast or you're new to this set of episodes and you are interested in it, be sure to go back and listen to the past four episodes where we dive a little bit more into this topic that we're wrapping up today. Towards the end, I'll also share a channeled message like I do for every new and full moon at the end of the episode, as well as close us out with a poem prayer. Um, if you're interested in diving more deeply into purpose and a more personal level and working with me a little more closely um, inside of an intentional container, um, as well as within a community, Saturday is the last day to sign up for a workshop called Interstellar Purpose, where we'll spend four weeks diving into uh, spiritual frameworks, meditations, exercises, astrology, and content, as well as live calls and sacred circle to really help you build the garden of your purpose and help orient you towards your unique story, your unique focuses, and your unique capacity for this resilience and this magic and this resonance. So if you're curious about that, you can learn more about it um, below as well as sign up if you'd like to. Um, Saturday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time will be your last chance to do that. 
I think that's all uh, for announcements in general. If you're new, I encourage you to check out the show notes where I try to be pretty good about including hyperlinks to things that we've talked about, as well as just unique like free resources that I make on a regular basis that you can um, access and make sure that you obtain if they're, um, they're helpful for you. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the astro weather. So in the episode from two weeks ago, we already talked about Venus moving into Virgo, which she did yesterday when this podcast is coming out, and sort of moving out of the fray of the fixed signs and into a sign, Virgo, that is less glamorous, but also less fraught. (laughs) And also today, which is July 22nd, the sun enters Leo, and that officially kicks off Leo season. So happy birthday to all of you sun and Leo, beautiful people. This is the sign's place, I'm sorry, this is the sun's place of rulership, and it's their home base of regality and kingliness, um, generosity, charisma, leadership. And as we've talked about extensively this month, um, since we've had Mars and Venus already moving through Leo, the moon, now the sun, soon to be Mercury, all going through Leo this month, um, they will have to square Uranus and Taurus and also oppose Saturn in Aquarius. So even though the sun is powerful in Leo, they're not meeting smooth waters. Um, Their modes, their preferences, their leadership the sun's creativity and playfulness and even the individual sovereignty of the sun is going to be challenged and faced with enduring commitments and obligations um, to the we or to the group or responsibilities to the collective, um, as well as meet disruptions and rebellions coming up from the land of Taurus. So it is likely that we've all had a big taste of what Leo holds in our chart this month as we've, um, there's just been a lot moving through that sign. We've gotten a lot of different, again, flavors and perspectives on what that area of our life is doing right now and what it means for us. And if you don't know what area of life Leo is for you, there's a free, um, little video and graph where you can on transits and the houses where you can figure that out for yourself with that resource. But the sun entering Leo is going to bring their warmth and their heat and enduring light to show us perhaps more clearly what is truly going on. Where are the key challenges and disruptions that have been happening? How can we solve problems with more sovereignty and authority? Um, How do I hold my own, for instance, if I'm being pulled in a lot of different directions, what what kind of skills do I need to be able to hold my own? Um, And what are the root causes of the turmoil or the upsets that we feel? If I were approaching, if I were problem solving something as a monarch, it would be different than if I'm problem solving something as that damsel in distress approach. So I think the sun moving through Leo is going to take us or echo to us a lot of the same issues that we've been encountering, but potentially encouraging us or filling us with the courage to approach them from more of that um, regal stance or that stance of authority. So I think that it's going to bring an opportunity for us to get more clarity or awareness around what the true stories are 
and that's going to help us potentially live more towards their healing and get to their true solutions. On Friday, July 23rd, we have the full moon in Aquarius. So this is number one of two. The full moon next month will also be in Aquarius. And it's in a sign of Saturn. And Saturn is also present in Aquarius as well. So Aquarius is an area of life where we've probably been working hard ever since Saturn moved into there back in December. Cleaning house, breaking down, setting up new frameworks and structures, working towards maturity and responsibility with more forward thinking, more following through on our goals with commitment. And I think this full moon is going to feature some of that hard work and discipline. What has been accomplished so far? What, um, how can we describe the work that's being done, what we've accomplished so far, and also acknowledge what's left to be done? We may be like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to do any more here. But of course, that is not an answer or permission that Saturn is likely to give. So how can we not back down from big plans or goals or but instead meet them with endurance? Uh, It makes me think of the Rilke poem, Just Keep Going, No Feeling is Final. Um, I'll read that more fully at the end of the episode, but meeting with this endurance when we're feeling tired and the feelings are wavering, like every emotion is like, oh my God, please stop, or this is too much, I can't keep going, and some I, this phrase or this refrain from that poem echoes through me a lot, just keep going, no feeling is final. And for those of us who are either very sensitive or... Um, are very watery or very emotionally driven, or I can just be talking about myself, (laughs) but um, it can be helpful to remember sometimes that no feeling is final. And while feelings can give us helpful information, um, it's also useful to remember sometimes that they're also the weather, that the feelings are not permanent. They are like water and that they are changing their influx even as we're feeling them. So just keep going. Uh, It doesn't feel, this full moon doesn't feel um, super restful. It doesn't feel like that little pocket of like nourishment and hiding in the forest with soup that that new moon in Cancer did. It does feel like a culmination of a cycle of work and evaluation of the work that's still left to be done. So things may not be changing or shifting as quickly as we want them to or necessarily in the way that you want them to. But instead of just pushing more, where can we work with the pace? Where can we conserve the energy so that we can keep this more marathon approach, which is the Saturn approach in this area of our lives? So so let's say if you have a business or if you have plans to pay down debt or you're working on your house or setting up behind the scenes structures for work or um, pursuing higher education or working through the boundaries of a relationship, you know, with this full moon, can you formally honor whatever that work and application is? And can you honor it with true evaluation, this sort of hard uncompromising gaze of Saturn to see what it offers. Where is the plan failing? Where is the plan? Where is the work working? Where does the word no need to be heard more strongly? 
And also, where does more healing remain to be done? Sometimes the obstacle to moving forward is that there is still healing left to be done. There's something about where we are that needs to be stitched up that is before it's ready for the next step. Um, for instance, I'm thinking about um, my partner just had to get some dental surgery. They had to remove um, two teeth where there are root canals. And instead of immediately putting in some, rep I don't know anything about that, like exactly what's happening because I don't have, I have nice teeth, <laughs> which is nice, but I, so I don't understand fully, but um that instead of just immediately replacing it for the sake of cosmetics, which can lead to infection, um, which is why we're taking them out in the first place, um, he's just being toothless there for a while so that the true healing can remain. And so it can fully accomplish the healing that's underneath. So the outside is actually already healed, the sealed the wound just a couple weeks later. However, nothing else is going to be done until four months from now right? There's still deeper healing available. The body still has more to do to prevent infection. The body still has more walls to shore up, more communication to understand before we go putting things back in place. And we get this with the full moon in Aquarius, perhaps. We get to review what is the healing that remains to be done before we push forward? What is that true evaluation that from that uncompromising gaze? And we get this on repeat, actually, because again, we'll have the full moon in Aquarius again next month. And so for me, it just feels like this, almost like a cartoon where, you know, the moon, they're trying to show the passage of time really quickly. So the moon comes up and it goes down, it comes up, it comes down, it comes up. So there's this sense of like, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it now? So really taking the time, like what is this area of life highlighting for you? Um, and where can we stick to true evaluation and acknowledge what needs and wants to happen here? On Tuesday, July 27th, Mercury enters Leo. And so we now have our fifth and final planet moving through Leo this month as Mercury enters um, on the 27th. And I like to think of Mercury as sort of reporting on what the sun is seeing, following close behind, getting the notes, the vision, the report, and then communicating it, sending the messages, distilling it into something that's clear. It's almost like the king is walking around just sort of rambling about what's coming to mind and what they see, and then someone's taking notes <laughs> and then translating into that something productive. And efficient. So, you know, what is actually happening? What's the plan for all of this illumination about what we're seeing? And how are we going to speak about it? And how are we going to speak with it? And how can we organize this data and clean it up so that it can actually be put to good use? And another question that I'm thinking about with this transit is what learning is available to us as we've seen the challenges and friction present in these fixed signs this month, what is the learning available? What about these challenges can be like school in the school of life or actual school um, where we learn from what has happened, right? We're not, not necessarily in like, I'm just going to memorize this, spit it back out and sort of fake my way through the test. 
Um, but what, how can I actually learn from what has happened? And what sort of discussions or attempts to resolve things via conversation or communication? And how can, are there ways that we need to put all the terms on the table, get the contracts more clear, put all the, lay all the ingredients out in more detail, um, perhaps dramatic details since we're in Leo or with some flair, perhaps? And then on Wednesday, July 28th, Jupiter moves back into Aquarius. So we have the boundless retreating back inside the bounds. Jupiter is back in the world of the techno cyber proposal for the future, um, back doing Saturn's work here. And the full moon perhaps illuminated and gave some clear evaluation on what remains and what we need Jupiter's hands to do. Jupiter does have that healing touch, that big picture perspective, that wisdom perspective. And so Jupiter's job descriptions have been written fully and is Jupiter is going back to work here, tending to the infrastructure and tending to the remnants of these um, yet to be considered futures. And Jupiter will remain in Aquarius for most of the rest of the year, stationing direct in October, I believe. And then they'll return to Pisces for a longer transit at the end of December. So preserve the salty taste of Jupiter in Pisces in your mouth and hold on to it um, in a poem in your heart and just let it be a sweet salve for you as you move through the rest of this ride of 2021. July 29th, Mars leaves Leo and enters Virgo, which will be next Thursday. And Virgo is this kind of often this like cloak of efficiency and practicality, finding ways to make things better. So what happens when Mars is wearing the costume of making things better? What sort of optimization is Mars interested in? Is it attacking details with brazenness? Is it, you know, arguing over minutia? Is it bringing a sense of competition to the goal of improvement? Is it applying diligence to the practices of the martial or the fitness or the strength building or the athleticism or the prowess? So Mars entering this area of life is bringing their strength of willpower, determination, their cutting edge to the topics of Virgo in your chart, potentially the capacity to sever things that are not contributing to the betterment of this area of life at least from that perspective, um, or potentially combining with humility or clashing with Virgo, the humility here or that service orientation of Virgo. So being of service potentially to the regimens of the goals of improvement is one way that I'm thinking about it and observing it um, potentially in my own life. Once we jump the bridge into August, Mercury will conjoin the sun on August 1st, and then we'll immediately oppose Saturn. And the following day on August 2nd, the sun will also oppose Saturn from Leo. So there's this sense that Mercury in conjoining the sun, they'll have this intense purification moment in the heart of the sun in the roaring heart of the lion's mouth that, that the voice of the individual creative spirit, the message of autonomy and authority, and then is immediately going to face off with Saturn and Saturn's demands for work and collective thinking. And so these are by nature opposed, yes? So 
the sun will also oppose Saturn that following day. And we can again see this as a challenge to individual authority and autonomy, a challenge to the spontaneous and to the playful spirit um, that seeds creativity or the kind of creativity that pours forth from the heart. And that's being juxtaposed against um, the forced commitments or responsibilities that are being asked for the future or for the collective. And they're going to be in conflict one another just by how they're positioned in opposition and will be forced to choose a way or make a decision about um, how we're negotiating ourselves in relationship to these topics, how we're negotiating our desires and our voice and our messaging um, between these two opposing forces that are um, strongly dignified with the sun in its home sign and Saturn in his home sign as well. On August 3rd, Mercury is then going to square Uranus and Taurus. So moving through what we described earlier this month as that fire tunnel of the fixed signs. And that's happening on August 3rd. So this could potentially be a swift or sudden change in messaging or information, uh, some surprise encounter of shocking headlines or um, new data. Um, it could be as simple as like a new book or a new word that catches you off guard or new information, a new learning style presenting itself. Um, it could also be some you know, unforeseen information that then proceeds to disrupt a whole planned course of action. So it could, you know, as always, there's a range, there's a spectrum for how it unfolds um, in each individual's life, of course, um, and of course, on the uh, more mundane level as well. So that gets us through the very beginning of August. And um, in two weeks, we will uh, jump more into August more fully. I'll now take a couple of minutes to wrap up our conversation on purpose for now and talk about purpose as resonance and resilience. And we've described purpose in many ways, but in a sense to summarize, purpose is the aiming. It's the dance that we do between the destiny that is written and the destiny that is unwritten and how we orient towards what we are loving here what we are healing here, and also what we're enduring here on planet Earth um, in these bodies. So we could think of purpose as our why, which we hear a lot about in business talk. You've got to find your why. Um, and again, I think that the why evolves, and I think that there also is not just one. That being said, it doesn't mean we can't have a sense of clarity around it. So like I talked about with myth-making, it doesn't necessarily matter if the why is true objectively or not, if there is fully objective truth. Um, it doesn't matter if it's true. It matters that it's a myth that moves us and motivates us to connect to our destinies. It matters that it provides coherence for us so that we can move about. And so in that, our purpose is resonance. It clarifies the signal that we're emitting to the worlds that we can see and also to the worlds that we cannot see. The purpose is for us. And the, the resonance means that the signal is strong and we know the signal when we see it, when it's reflecting back to us or bouncing back to us off the things that we interact with. What are we 
what we are calling knows how to find us no matter where we are because there's a signal. Um, I, I was watching a show on Netflix with my husband, I think it was Netflix, called Heist, which is this basically like Ocean Eleven style documentary um, on three big heist robberies that folks have done in the past, it seems like 30 years, I think, yeah, 1990s to now. And if there's a crime show or a crime movie or a criminal story, I usually go for the stealing ones where they're like robbing banks or stealing cars or heisting a casino. It's my crime of choice <laughs> if I'm observing it, uh, that and espionage. But anyways, in Heist, um, the FBI in one episode was showing how they find phones or find people based on the signals from cell towers and how the they can look at a screen and tell which tower the phone is bouncing off of. And then when they get in the general area of that tower, they can more and more specifically see where the object is. So if we think about it's like the cell tower is in a certain um, neighborhood of, let's say, f uh, five blocks. And then once they get within the region of that five blocks, then they can see, oh, it's on this street. And once they get on this street, they can say, oh, it's in that house. And once they get towards the house, they can tell it's in that room. So the closer and closer they get, the more specific the information gets based on the strength of the signal. And we can think of the quilted destiny of our purpose as developing this resonance map or this system of resonance where we can find and we can be found. And I don't think that means that once we develop resonance, then suddenly we manifest everything we've ever wanted forever. Um, that's a whole other podcast. But it means that life we are moving towards, the life that we're moving with, the life that we're seeking now has something that it can bounce to us from. It has, it's like our whale song. It's communicating and it's also navigating via echolocation. As we make the resonance of the sound of our purpose and the song of the myth of our purpose, we're able to locate where are we in deep space, in deep time, or this vast ocean of existence, or the forest, or the river, where are we? But if we don't, if we don't have the song, or if we're afraid of the song, or if we're afraid to make a sound, the signal is unclear. It's internalized and it's harder to find and be found. We lose our echolocation device. We lose our right to sing, which is our resonance. So the more we sing the song, the more feedback we get about the resonance and the more feedback we get that tells us where we are. We could think of this singing or this signaling as another way of map making, of navigating through our life and understanding what is and is not for us. Which leads us into talking about purpose as resilience. And purpose is resilience because it makes transformation more possible. So what do I mean by that? We could think of we could think of resilience as this ability to bounce back. If something is resilient, it's able to recover, it's able to make necessary changes in order to adapt to its environment. Um, it's able to make changes needed to become or move or be somewhere different or act somewhere different, some way different. 
we could think of purpose as this foundation. When we have the strength of the signal, when we have the clarity, when we have the quilt of the myth, when we have the resonance that's feeding us the navigation, um, when we have a clear sense of like, what is this story that my life wants to tell? That gives us a foundation because it gives us access to the core of who we are, the myth of who we are, the resonance of who we are. And because we have that foundation, then we're able to bend, we're able to bounce, we're able to transform more capably when we have that. We're able to sort of bow in the wind so that when we bend instead of break, we're able to take a deep breath and like pause in a challenging moment. We're able to see where something isn't working and we're able to shift or quit or move on. And we're able to move past these rough weather or move through rough weather and allow ourselves to be transformed by life and evolve essentially. We have a foundation for resilience when we clarify purpose because this clarity also helps us identify what is negotiable and what is non-negotiable because it's assuming that we've done some work we're able now to understand that we know what is essential and integral to us and to our story that we're not willing to give up and even if we have to give it up, then we'll do what we have to to reclaim it at some point or heal it back so that we can reclaim it at some point. And then we also understand what is not essential, what is not integral to us or to our story so that we don't waste our energy fighting for them or holding on to them or clinging just because it's a form of you know keeping things the same, even if we don't actually like them. We're less fatigued, I think, because we're able to sort more clearly through that which applies and is essential to us and what doesn't. And I think, too, for people who are really sensitive or empathic or, in a sense, more porous, it feels like, um, the whole world is sort of getting absorbed all the time, or at least that's how I feel, unless I'm being really conscious about uh, not doing that. Um, but when we have the stone foundation of purpose, it can act as a mediator or a filter for the world so that we're able to value our attention as sacred. And then we can direct that sacred attention towards what is necessary for my story, what's necessary for my survival or my flourishing or my beauty. Um, and we, come, we become the foundation when we understand our map of purpose because we're able to be resilient then. We're able to look at the map and just actually look at it for what it is and say, okay, instead of fighting this transformation, maybe I can go with it. I can ground into the roots of myself and my story, which gives me the capacity to transform. Okay. I think we're going to move now into the live channeled message for this upcoming full moon and the the weeks ensuing that until we get to the next um, new moon. As always, especially if you're new, please take this from the seat of your own personal sovereignty, from the place of authority within your own life where you get to choose what goes in your mouth, what goes inside your heart, and um, 
also digest it once it's there. So you can choose what you keep, you can choose what you discard, and as always, I am begging you to choose what feels beautiful and nourishing for you long-term. It's time to take the stories about yourself seriously. Whether they are negative stories about who you are and what your life means, or whether they are positive stories about who you are and what your life means. It's time to look at them and take them seriously. If they're negative and things that you use to reinforce a story that repeatedly injures you, it's time to take it seriously and really look at it. Why am I holding on to this battering story that injures myself? And if it's a story that furthers the belief about what you want to be true in the world, what you want to see play out in the world, and your role inside of that, can you come out of the closet with that story? Instead of only wearing it in private, what are ways that you can manifest it in daylight for yourself? And when I say take it seriously, it doesn't mean it has to become your job. How you make money does not define who you are. How you make money is not the same thing as your destiny. Take that pressure off of yourself. It's too traditional a story. It's too old a story. How you make money is not who you are. Let it go. Take the story of yourself more seriously. In a sense, there could be things that are sort of hanging on or clinging on like tattered bits of clothing or these parasitic influences, even parts of ourselves that maybe need to amputate for a moment so that they can regrow back like the lizard's tail. It will grow back, but maybe now we have to let go of it. It will grow back. You can move through a season of life and come back to the place where you're able to reclaim it and hold that part of you more fully, with more integrity, with more tensegrity, with more resilience, you can. It will grow back. The end is not the end. The end is not the end. No feeling is final. The end is not the end. It is simply what is happening right now.
So if what used to be true is no longer true, if this was working and now it's not, if it's simply hanging on or you're clinging to it because it feels safe, because it feels familiar, even though you don't like it, can you let it go? Can you let it cut itself off? Can you cut it off or ask for some help in cutting it off so that the true healing can begin? so that there's no festering. Is that clinging blocking a new story? Is that clinging blocking another possibility that perhaps you're afraid to see just now? It's okay to be afraid to see it just now, but simply acknowledge that for yourself. Acknowledge that you're holding on to it because you're scared. That is okay. You're allowed to do what you are allowed to do. You are allowed to do what you need to do. There are no shoulds here. But what seeds of freedom can come when we're able to honestly acknowledge to ourselves, I'm simply clinging to this because I'm scared. Which is different than I'm holding on to this because I love it. Where can you get really honest with the story about where you are, with the story about what you're feeling and what they mean? Where can you get really honest and what liberation is hiding inside of that honesty. It's waiting for you to look at it. It's waiting for you to take the lid off and see what's actually simmering in there. When was the last time you changed the Band-Aid and does it need another Band-Aid? Or does it just need to be let go? If you have to cut something off that feels super necessary to you, but you know it's the thing that you have to do, it will grow back. It will grow back. It will grow back in its own time when it's ready. It will grow back. Nothing is dead forever. There is no such thing as death. There is simply transformation of energy. It will grow back. Look bravely at yourself. Look bravely at what you're holding on to. Look honestly at it. It will grow back. It may grow back in a different color, in a different form. We do not need to control how it grows back or when it grows back. The letting go is the asking for surrender, which is asking for your cooperation, which is asking for your trust that something besides you works with you and for you 
in this body, in this life, because you are a fabric that is connected to everything. You are connected to everything, therefore you can lose nothing. about how a few months ago when I was channeling for the podcast there was this image that came through that was really strong it was like a, a parking lot and this sense that like your life or our lives individually collectively are like a parking lot and all of the different parts and facets of us are like the little cars and we want to fill up the parking lot We want to fill up how we're showing up instead of that idea of this this parasitic clinging on to. It's like all these other cars are parked in our parking lot and they're siphoning off the energy of our life that we actually need. Everyone has their own parking lot. You filling up yours isn't stealing from anyone else's. So this message, and it seems like a really big invitation to clean the energetic house so that the impulse, the, the energy that is life can move more freely. So it can sweep through. We can feel more full of ourselves again. And from there, see what sort of life unfolds. I'll finish now with two poems. One is by Jane Hirschfield, and it's called My Life Was the Size of My Life. My life was the size of my life. Its rooms were room-sized. Its soul was the size of a soul. In its background, mitochondria hummed. Above it, sun, clouds, snow, the transit of stars and planets. It rode elevators, bullet trains, various airplanes, a donkey. It wore socks, shirts, its own ears and nose. It ate, it slept, it opened and closed its hands, its windows. Others I know had lives larger. Others I know had lives shorter. The depth of lives, too, is different. There were many times my life and I made jokes together. There were times we made bread. Once I grew moody and distant, I told my life I would like some time. I would like to try seeing others. In a week, my empty suitcase and I returned. I was hungry then, and my life, my life too was hungry, and we could not keep our hands off, our clothes on, our tongues from. And this final one is the poem by Rilke that I mentioned earlier, translated by Joanna Macy. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing, embody me, Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. 
let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life, and you will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please leave us a five-star rate or review, subscribe to the show, and share the episode with someone else who would enjoy it. Be sure to check out the links below the episode in the notes for more information about anything that we talked about on the show, free resources, and also how you can join our free group where you can talk about the episode with other like-minded folks. Thank you for being here. Peace. Peace.